Hey, uh, so, hmm, my wife is named Shani, and one thing about her, one thing about my wife is she's pregnant. Yeah, she's carrying a fetus around right in her belly, right there, right there in her belly. And there's no oven light. You can't just flip the switch and see what's going on. Occasionally, you get a little ultrasound action, little sonogram, peek inside and say, hey, how you doing? Hey, hey, how you doing? But for the most part, now we just wait and pray and feel good and reveal the news to friends and family and podcast listeners. That's a way to start a podcast. You just capture their attention. You capture their attention right out of the gates, pal. Okay? If you want to see more subscribers and you really want to attract a listenership, you got to grab their attention. So let them know the big stuff. Boom. My wife, she's pregnant. And I really hope it's mine. Oh, I really hope it's mine. If it's not, I'm going to be so mad at her. And I don't want to have that fight with her. I don't want to have that argument. So let's just hope. Let's hope that baby looks like me. I kid. I kid. Right? No, I mean, of course, I'm kidding about that. But uh, it's big news. It's a girl, too. So that's two daughters. If you're counting at home, if you're keeping score at home, that's two daughters. I'll be living with three females. And that sounds like a lot of females, but I like females, so it sounds perfect to me. I have a friend named Chris who had two daughters, and then his wife had triplets, three more daughters. And including his wife, that means he lives with six females. Holy shit. And even if I think, wow, two kids, that sounds like a monumental change to my life. Then I just realize how many people have done this. Anytime something gets really overwhelming, you just zoom out a little bit and go, oh yeah, but people do this, but people have more than one kid. Some people have three, some people have four, some people have five. And I don't even have to keep counting because I think you understand. But one thing I now understand is fertility. Shit. I knew nothing about fertility growing up. But now this topic, fertility, sperm and egg, I'm your guy. You have any questions? I'm your guy. I had to learn about it because it wasn't just so smooth. It wasn't just so easy. And this is not an overshare. In my opinion, this is the type of stuff people should talk about. There's no shame involved with the challenges people face when they try to have babies. It's so common. It's so common. People hide from this topic. It's such a private topic for so many people, but I think it should unify us. I think we should all talk about fertility issues, fertility problems, just the challenges that come along with trying to have kids. It's not a Hollywood script. It's not always easy. I mean, for some couples, it's totally easy. And probably for young people, it's totally easy. But for my wife and I, it took about 18, 20 months of trying. And there were some lows. I'm not going to get too into the details. But I think it's important to reflect on the rough path. I think it's important to always keep some of those feelings at the surface so we don't take anything for granted. I mean, the process was insane. There was an app. There's now an app so you could track everything, everything, ovulation, sensation. You track everything and you try to boom, hit it on the dot. 
and then you count down the days, you count down the days, and you count down the days, and you count, and then boom, and you, and then you wait, and then you wait, and you get a stick, and then you count down the days, and you count down the days, and then you wait, and then you boom, and then you get a stick, and then you go, oh, and then you go, oh, and then you Google, and you Google, and you read message boards, and you talk to people, and you get discouraged, and you get upset, and you get sad, and then you talk to a fertility specialist, and he says, eh, you only have about a 5% chance of conceiving. Maybe you need some interventions. Maybe IVF. Maybe you need this. Maybe you need that. Have you thought about IUI? Have you thought about adoption? Have you thought about divorce? I'm like, how dare you, doctor? How dare you bring that up? Have you thought about Clomid? Is that what it's called? I don't know. But we learned everything, and then something happened. Conception. It was a miracle. Actually, I want to... Use the word luck. We were lucky. Miracle? Eh. When you're told you have a 5% chance and then you actually hit the target, you hit the bullseye, it makes you feel like, wait, are we experiencing a miracle? Should we name this daughter Mira? Which I like. My wife doesn't. Mira Rosenberg, short for miracle. And we'll tell everybody the story. Hey, everybody, gather around. It took us 20 months. And we were told it just wouldn't happen without interventions. And then... It happened. We actually didn't need to go the extra step. We thought we were going to. We thought we were going to bust out the credit card and say, swipe it, swipe it and do what you do with the eggs and the sperm in the tray with the tweezers and the turkey based. Okay, I don't know how that works. I'm not an expert on any of this, but at least I listen sometimes. And when I listen, I start to hear about how difficult it is for couples, not just for women for couples to go through this. Yet I never lost hope. It's weird. I sweat the small stuff, but I don't sweat the big stuff. So for me, I never really lost hope. I always knew we'd have two kids and now we're going to have another one arriving in June. So how about that? You better grab your listeners' attention right out of the fucking gates. Don't tiptoe around the big headlines. You get right to it. My wife is pregnant. And now, just like Barack Obama, my boy Barack, two daughters. Hell yes. You know, it's weird. I have to admit this. The first time when we found out, you know, they send you an email to let you know about the tests, if there's any abnormalities. And in that test, they're able to tell you the gender if you want. So we said, hell yeah, tell us. And we opened up the email. This is on kid number one. And when it said, girl, I wasn't totally excited. I'm embarrassed to admit that. I'm embarrassed to admit that. But I wasn't like totally enthusiastic. And I think I even Googled why it's great to have a girl. Oh, how embarrassing is this? How humiliating is this to admit? As if the internet was going to tell me, here's why it's good to have a girl. Well, really, it was so obvious that I'm a girl dad. And that's what I've learned in the three years of having one that, oh yeah, this is, this is what I'm good at. This is my flavor. This, this is what I like. Who knew? Actually, I like it so much. I like this three-year-old so much that I say irrational things like, you know what? I hope the next one is just like the first one. That's ridiculous, right? I should embrace differences, but that's how much I like the first one where I'm like, that's a tough act to follow. I like everything about the first girl. The second girl, I hope she's a lot like the first and you know, she won't be. There's not a lot of siblings that are alike, right? So I got to get ready for something different, something wonderful, but something different. And now, just like Kobe Bryant said, girl dad, hashtag girl dad, all about the girls. Little boys, are you kidding me? No, thanks. <laughs> just offending everybody with boys. Actually, I am a boy. 
No thanks to me at age three. Ugh. Nah. Mm-mm. I kid. I kid. Oh, boy. But now the topic is... Does a pregnant woman get the vaccine? If the vaccine is offered, should a pregnant woman get the COVID-19 vaccine? And in this moment, I'm feeling like the answer is yes, 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 of course. I mean, we've talked to doctors. We've talked to specialists. We've talked to nurses. And everyone, all the professionals say, yeah, yeah, do that. But still, there's that weird moment where you're like, wait, is there enough research? Is this risky? Is this putting anything sacred in jeopardy? Should we? So that's the daily struggle. But everyone has a daily struggle. And I actually like that. I like knowing that there's other pregnant women out there agonizing over this decision. I need company. Misery loves company? Hell yes. That's why I share everything. There ain't that many things that are off limits for me. Yet I have to respect my wife's wishes. Not to bring up every little detail on the podcast. I respect that. And if I ever had a friend who said to me, you know what? I'm uncomfortable talking about that. Then I would respect it. But me personally, I can't think of that many things I wouldn't want to talk about. Humiliating things? Let's talk. Embarrassing shit? Let's get into it. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, fertility? Let's talk about all these things. Let's stop hiding things. Because once you reveal things, you know, those dark topics, those secrets, those private topics, once you reveal them, doesn't it always feel good when you're hanging out with like-minded people who are supportive and actually understand your plight and maybe relate to it. Isn't that the best feeling? And what's the worst feeling? Hiding things because you're living in shame about them? No, you know right now as you listen to this, you know there's a few things you haven't talked about. There's a few things you haven't even mentioned to your closest friends and the people that you hang out with or whoever you're married to. Maybe you haven't even told a therapist, but I bet it would feel good. I bet it would. I bet if I told you more and more and more, about the many difficult moments we experienced over the last 24 months when it came to conceiving, having another kid. I bet there are some people that would want to hear that because it would soothe them to know they're not alone. Not alone. Not alone. Do the Bee Gees ever sing that? Not alone. Not alone. Not alone. All right. None of us are alone. None of us. You know, it's important to know the previous challenges so you don't take shit for granted. And you could apply that to this pandemic when we get back into a classroom, when we get back to concerts and ball games and gatherings and parties. Not to take it for granted. Wouldn't that be great? Not to take any day of this pregnancy for granted. And once the kid's born, not to complain. Oh, they're not sleeping. You know we're going to complain a lot. Oh, they're not sleeping. But maybe... Knowing how difficult it was, it'll make the scream crying a little more manageable. I don't know. I don't want to be the type of person that just lives so in the moment that I forget about the adversity that could make overcoming challenges so sweet. Actually, sometimes I like to complain. Sometimes I like to complain. And what I noticed for my friends, I've had other friends who've had major fertility issues. You know, it's taken them two, three years to conceive. And I've complained with them about, oh, how tough it is to have a newborn. And some of my friends... We're not complaining about that. My friends that have had fertility issues, we're not complaining about how annoying it can be to have a newborn. I know we glorify that in society, but isn't it fucking annoying most of the time? They're ruining my sleep. I'm just surrounded with piss and shit all day. I mean, it's not glamorous. I mean, there's love that develops in time, but at first, that's not fun. 
But now I can understand. I can relate. There's some people that don't complain about it because they truly cherish what has happened. With me initially, initially, it took me a little while to develop those loving feelings. It wasn't like a Hollywood movie where my wife gave birth and I was like, it's the most beautiful moment. It's the most beautiful thing. It's the most beautiful time of my life. No, I was like, oh no, this seems hard. When did the feelings come where you fall in love with that kid? And then they came and they never go away. It came about five months later. And now it's like, you're addicted to the kid. Like I can't go a moment without thinking about my daughter. And that's fun. It's the best thing you'll ever do, right? It's just the best. It's the best. It's always just the best. The how great is parenting rant. Obvious, easy topics tonight on the old Here We Go podcast. So welcome in. It's episode 127. Today's one of those wild days where too much is going on. There's just too much going on. I feel like I'm having Zoom injuries. Like even the audio that comes out of a Zoom makes my ears throb. And then looking at a screen makes my eyes hurt. And it gives me a headache now. And I finally have had some parents email me, parents of students I have that say, hey, can my son or daughter have like more breaks? Like after 20 minutes of staring into that Zoom screen, can my son just have a break? Can my daughter have a break? And I'm like, yes, of course. Can we all have a break? We've been doing online learning since March of 2020. Can we have a break? I mean, maybe some people don't feel the effects of Zoom. You got to love this whining about my Zoom injuries, but it is tough on the eyes and ears and there's just like too much. We look into screens. We weren't intended to look into electronic devices this long. That's really why I want to get back to the classroom. And when I say too much shit is going on today, it's because news came down that we are going back. The district I work in, they said, hey, you're going back in March. You're going to wear a mask. We're going to roll you in in a big plastic bubble. Going to put a shield up. You're going to wear gloves. We're going to sanitize you. We got a HEPA filter. We're going to split your class. So half the kids are still zooming in and half the kids are in desks, socially distanced. And they say, you're going to do high school that way. And I go, okay, fine. Because I ran out of opinions. I realized that. I'm no longer charged up. Pitchforks? No. Put down the pitchforks. I'm drained. I just want to get off the roller coaster. I have nothing left. I have no more fight. I got nothing. People ask me my opinion. I just go, I, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm indifferent. I actually feel that way. And I'm an opinionated motherfucker. But I feel that way. I just, I ran out of opinions. I ran out of energy. I'm totally drained. Just tell me where to go. Where do you need me? Zoom? Fine. In the classroom? Fine. Double mask in a bubble? Plexiglass? Whatever you need. Okay, fine. I'm just going to roll with the flow of what has happened to the universe right now. That's a little too deep. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, here's the weirdest part. The angry parents right now can point to the emotional health, the mental health of their kids who are miserable being stuck at home. And I totally get that. It makes perfect sense. And if I'm being empathetic, I would have hated every moment of remote learning as a student. Do I hate every moment as a teacher? No, I actually don't. I'm getting used to it. And we've had some good moments. But here's the weird part. Every story you read, there's quotes from parents who are so pissed off and say, my son is so sad every day and my daughter is so miserable, so depressed. And I get that. However, all of my students right now are so good. I don't know what happened. It's misleading. I don't think I've ever had classes like this where my current students are all just so nice and kind and respectful and they all participate and they're all like really sharp and smart. I think I've said this before. It's not typical. Usually you get the whole spectrum, right? You get apathetic kids, bored kids, 
mean kids, nice kids. I mean, you really do, but it seems like this year, for some reason, I got a bunch of angels who are nice and they don't seem depressed. And I know I'm only gauging this off of our Zoom sessions together. Maybe they're just so sad and depressed beyond the screen. But when I see them, it's like I don't feel the disaster that's being described. Although I know it's there. It's still palpable throughout the nation. I get it. But in the state of California, you got angry parents right now. You got angry members of the union. You have angry kids. You have angry teachers, angry politicians, angry doctors. It's like, geez, we all just need the Dalai Lama to go over the state of California in a hot air balloon, just going up and down California all the way to the north, all the way to the south. The Dalai Lama in a hot air balloon with a megaphone guiding us all through guided meditations every day, 24 hours a day. Get the Dalai Lama some Red Bull. We need him in a hot air balloon, slowly going up and down the coast of California to every town with a megaphone in a hot air balloon guiding us to focus on our breathing and to be mindful that this too shall pass. You want my solutions? I give you. My solutions. Solutions. How can we make that word sound more Russian? You want my solution? I'll give you my solution. There's my solution. Dalai Lama. Megaphone. Hot air balloon. Okay? Okay. You want to know how I know I'm from 90s? You want to know how I know I'm from the 90s and I was a fan of 90s rap? If you're like me, just sometimes lyrics pop into your head and you're like, who is that? What fucking song is that? Like, why am I saying this out loud? Like a catchphrase from an old Saturday Night Live skit or you just start rapping in your mind. You're like, why do I know all these lyrics? Why do I know all these lyrics? I could do the whole song for three minutes. I can't memorize any song in the last five years of any current artist, current band. I think that's one of my deficiencies in life. I'm just so shitty with lyrics now, but something from the 90s? Oh, it stays in this brain. And I don't need that. I actually wish I could eliminate those parts of my brain that are clinging to things that are so unnecessary. I do not need to know the lyrics of all these 90s rap songs. I don't need it. But here's how I know I'm from the 90s. And I was a rap fan in the 90s. My daughter has a fake ice cream set. Okay. Oh, look at him bragging. But yeah, for her birthday, we went to Kohl's and I have a Kohl's card. Okay, you can't get in this club. I have an exclusive Kohl's card. When I go in there, I don't even use cash. <laughs> I use my Kohl's card. An exclusive member. And there's a VIP room at Kohl's. Y'all don't know about that. Champagne and caviar. Oh, yeah. Y'all don't know about that. The VIP room at Kohl's because I'm an exclusive card member. So I bought her this ice cream set, this plastic ice cream set. And it's fun. And the other day she was saying, Daddy, what do you want? Mint chip? Vanilla? Chocolate? I'm just like, sure. All of it. Why not? We're doing fake ice cream eating. Great. Let's play. And then she said to my wife, what do you want? Whipped cream, nuts, cherry. And I go, whipped cream, nuts, and cherries? Whipped cream, nuts, and cherries? And all of a sudden, I'm like, there was a rapper named Goldie. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? Goldie had a song called Whipped Cream, Nuts, and Cherries. And I loved it. And I haven't heard that song since the mid-90s. It's now 2021. The year is now 2021, and hearing my three-year-old daughter offer my wife fake plastic whipped cream nuts and cherries brought the Goldie song right into my head, and it was a good moment, and I went to Spotify. I had to play it, and I'm going to play it right now, and you tell me, does it hold up? Does it hold up? Is it still good? 
And then we're going to explore, why did I even have a Goldie CD? Whipped cream, nuts, and cherries. Tell them. Whipped cream, nuts, and cherries. Let them know, Goldie. Whipped cream, nuts, and cherries. It started at the ice cream parlor. Eight o'clock, she said, call her so that I can come and get her. For she's picked up by her father. So I smashed up in the Malibu. How would you feel watching the fine thick ho just smile at you? It was rock hard from the start. I couldn't tame him. I didn't want to see it, so I tried real hard to aim him. I tried to put it to the left and move to the right between my thighs. But I was embarrassed because I was wearing sweatpants showing my dick rise. Okay, you guys know about Goldie, right? He loves talking about his genitals in the sweatpants. <laughs> Whipped cream, nuts, and cherries. All right, I knew all these lyrics in the mid-90s, but just listen to Goldie. Okay, he had an issue. Okay, he's talking about he's talking about his erection in the sweatpants when he sees this girl, but I think it's an important song that we should break down. Saw it cause it stood up like a totem pole Butterflies in my stomach as my scrotums rolled Then she glanced out the window Moving her hand up my lap She was going for the dick I knew the cap Then she moved her hands up by my nutsack As her other fingers <laughs> pressed by my crack. Then she grabbed it Squeezed uh, it jacked it Got me out my drawers in the car Damn she Come on it. Goldie Then she put her succulent lips Right up on the helmet of my gold ass dick All your hands were slurping and serving As she was moving with my oh, I'm hands sorry. When I had jerking whole car swerving Immaculate head Man you can't beat this Swallow my dick with lips and tongue and done it all teeth She went inside the work bag And then brought out the whipped cream I went to the house and parked it and said let me serve this dick fiend Lay me on my back Put the whipped cream on my dick She sprayed it in my ass and licked the split Oh whipped cream nuts I'm sorry to do this to you. Whipped cream, nuts, and cherries. Whipped cream, nuts, and cherries. Uh, I regret that. I regret that. Yeah, I uh, probably should have just deleted all of that, right? You forgive me? You forgive me if you listen to this podcast? You're like, you know what, Josh? We didn't need that. We didn't need the whole Goldie song, but we forgive you. So yeah, if you want to bust that out during the holidays, it's called whipped cream, nuts, and cherries. <laughs> and why did I have a Goldie CD? You know it was one of those moments where I probably just walked into Tower Records or Music Land or Sam Goody. I don't know, and just looked in the rap section. I was like, he looks cool. Oh, Goldie? He looks cool. The name of the album was In the Land of Funk. And he liked rapping about sexual things. And if I'm 13, 14 years old, and my choices are my mom's old Bee Gees vinyls, which I like now, or Goldie in the Land of Funk, talking about whipped cream, nuts, and cherries. Where do you think I'm going? What do you think I'm picking? Oh, damn you, Spotify, for having this available to me. As an adult, as I'm playing with my daughter, playing pretend ice cream games, this is what has to invade my head. I'm sorry about that. Honestly, I'm going to issue an official apology on the Here We Go podcast. What you just had to endure is not okay. And for that, I apologize. I also know there's a few of you out there in the listening audience that will be listening to the full song Whipped Cream, Nuts, and Cherries. By the way, it could have been BMG or Columbia House, one of those like 13 CDs for a penny, and then they just destroy your credit and destroy your life for about 10 years. You remember that? You would send in a penny, BMG, and pick 13 CDs, and some of them you didn't even know, like the soundtrack to Above the Rim, or Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. I got a bunch of weird soundtracks. 
when I did the BMG. 13 CDs for a penny. And just give us your social security number. Uh-huh. And give us your address and phone number. Okay, great. And give us your father's bank account number. Great. Okay, great. We'll get those CDs over to you. Pronto. What do you need, Goldie? You got it. Parental advisory. Explicit lyrics. Where were the parents? Where were my parents? It says parental advisory on the album. Where were you? Where were you? I'm now in therapy as an adult. Where were they? It clearly said on the album, parental advisory. Where were they? All right, I'm ending with this. I was listening to a great podcast interview. Pete Holmes, who, yes, he talks over his guests. I get that. Pete Holmes is a comedian who does like two-hour interviews with his guests. Way too long. But he had Dane Cook on. And I was like, Dane Cook, huh? What happened to Dane Cook? Like, I loved Dane Cook 20 years ago. 20 years ago, he was on top of the stand-up comedy world. Absolutely on top. And what happened? I mean, he's still a comedian. But nobody who's really into comedy, who's got their finger on the pulse of comedy, would put Dane Cook in the top 20 comics nowadays. That's a big fall from grace. And I realized that when Dane popped, he was young. He was about 30 years old. I think he came up in Boston, performed in New York at the clubs, came out to L.A., turned the Laugh Factory into like his home court. I've seen Dane Cook live a few times. In his prime, it was the most uproarious crowd. It was like World Cup energy. Dane Cook was so physical, so funny. There was like a din sound. Just like even when people weren't laughing, there was excitement. Like people were just like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Everyone on the edge of their seat. Like Dane Cook was so good at a time where comedy needed him to be good. He used Facebook. No, he used MySpace to attract so many young fans. And he would play the college tour, sell out campuses, arenas. You know Dane, his CDs, huge. It's a 30-year-old. Fast forward to right now, 50-year-old Dane Cook. Sounds so different. And likable, but he's dealt with such adversity. And he's still famous, but his movie career plummeted. TV career, nothing. Might have been described as tough to work with. I don't know. Just never had like a real solid movie. Was not able to make that transition from the stage to the silver screen. And he said something in the interview. He said, part of life is knowing when it's not your time anymore. And that's so hard for some people because a lot of us look back on certain phases of life and we glamorize those and go, man, those were the great times. And we chase it. Some people are always chasing a feeling that they've had in the past. And I think he described it really well. He struggled with that to know that it wasn't his time anymore to see young comics coming up. And he had to realize, oh yeah, okay. They're more popular. They're garnering more attention. It's got to be hard, right? To know that you're star is fizzling but what a span of years 30 to 50 think about the development right there i mean think about 20 year increments of your life zero you're born to 20 well that's that's quite a jump and then 20 you're dumb you party your brain's not fully formed you're wild you're looking for sex you're listening to goldie and then leap 20 more years you're 40 well now i have a wife and kids and a full-time job and i talk like this and I call my car a vehicle. I don't call it a car. I say, I'm taking my vehicle into the shop. You're 40, you're boring. You're looking for a program to watch at night. Uh, what, should we wa- what should we watch tonight? Uh, okay, you're boring. 60, 20 more years, 20 year increments. A 60 year old, oh boy, you got all the wisdom. You've seen your family grow up. Sadly, you've probably had to say goodbye to family members that you love, friends you love. Even by 60, there's atrophy. There's sadness, there's challenges. You golf a lot, 
You probably have a bourbon every night at 6 p.m., fall asleep by 8. And then 80, that's it, right? When you're 80, you're just starting to understand that it's getting toward the end. Had a good run. And then when you're 100, oh my God, then it starts over. Then you discover the fountain of youth. Now, when you're 100, if you make it to 100, I actually think I'm going to make it to 100. I don't know why. I think I'm going to die at 100. Is that weird that I actually think that? There's a lot of weird thoughts in this head. But I think I'll die at 100. I'll probably die at a Warriors game. That's my goal. To die during a Warriors game. Just like a random Tuesday night game, Warriors and Hawks. And the broadcasters. I'll have front row seats by then. Front row seats. I'll have a walker. Every time I come in to the arena, everyone applauds. Oh, there's the 100-year-old fan. It's good to see him. And I'll sit front row. And just on a random night, Warriors regular season game, I'll just die in the front row. And the broadcasters will have to mention it. They won't even <laughs> They won't even stop the game, I don't think. What was I talking about? I actually forget. Oh, yeah, 20-year increments of life. But to hear Dane Cook now and then picture Dane at 30? Oh, my God. Do you remember that Comedy Central Presents special? It was too good. It's one of the greatest comedy specials of all time. I remember visiting my friend Mitch, and he lived with Flynn and James. And who was the fourth? Mike Hurley. How did I forget that? They lived in Santa Barbara, and I don't think I've ever partied that hard. And I visited them, and one day we just flipped on the telly. Flipped on the telly. Turned on Comedy Central, and there was Dane Cook. I think we were all introduced to him for the first time. Like, who's this? The year was probably 2000. This is probably the year 2000. Like our first year of college, I went up from San Diego to visit friends in Santa Barbara, and we saw Dane Cook. And I remember that, thinking like, this is special. This is so fucking funny. And that Dane Cook from the year 2000 is now, I'm guessing, 50. It's weird to think about. And hearing his interview where he looked back on his career, gained all this wisdom, talked about his challenges, talked about humiliation. It was raw. I like that. Raw. Share what's raw. Raw. So I shared a lot. All right. There you go. That's episode 127. I appreciate you listening. Drop a rating or a review in iTunes if you like. If not, hey, it's a free country, pal. All right. That'll do it. Let's see. February. February 10th today, my friend Ari's birthday. Happy birthday, Ari. Tomorrow, JP, Jason's birthday. Happy birthday, Jason. February 11th. February is a big birthday month. I feel like I have a lot of Aquarius friends, and I like that. I connect with Aquarius, and I believe in that. I guess I do. Horoscopes, astrology, your sign. What's your sign? Huh? What's your sign? We'll get into that next time. I actually want to talk about that, but for now, I'll say this episode's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>